Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. Going off of what we've been talking about with the assessments, now we're going to go into the programming portion of this, of what we do. Um, first and foremost, this is kind of the order we do our in-services with our, with our athletes, right, is going from the assessment process to the programming process. Without the assessment process, we'll never get to the programming process. Right, Taylor? That's right. You had a little post about that yesterday. I did have a little post about that. Want to talk about that? Want to talk about that? Yeah. Talk about it. Yeah. A lot of like. Okay. So yeah, a lot. (laughs) So everybody, like, you go to like, like, I had a couple people ask about going to like these different gyms or like, hey, like when I'm out of town, like, what if I go to like an F45 gym or like somebody that's like a group gym or community gym um where you walk in and they give you your like your programs on like a whiteboard kind of thing and there's a lot of gyms that um where you walk in and your warm-ups on a whiteboard your workouts on a whiteboard and everybody does the same exact thing to the most point um but what's different is what we get to do is we get to do our assessments and then build out our program based off of the assessment and then included in that assessment is if they decide to throw in house or their pitcher we get to see them move on the mound as well. So a lot of people will write a full program without actually getting to see this kid move at all, especially within sport. And so it's like closing your eyes and throwing a dart at a dartboard. It's like you don't exactly know where you're going, but we'll figure it out once we get there kind of thing. Rather than like actually like sitting down, looking at your program, figuring out which direction you're going to go with this athlete, kind of in your mind where you want them to be in a certain time frame. And knowing exactly what you're doing and how it's going to translate them over to the field. Because that's at the end of the day, it's like not bodybuilders. We are baseball players and everything that we do has to correlate over to the baseball field. And there's that, yeah, there's that time when you have the smaller kid come in, he's got to put on some size, but even then everything is detailed towards him being on the baseball field and making sure that the, the adaptations and everything that we're chasing there will transfer over to the baseball field as well. I feel I feel like you're either on one end of the spectrum, right? Where it's you're either you can be a generalist and give everybody the same kind of program and you know get some results from it and have some success from it, and then you got the people that do the assessment, do the program customization, all that kind of stuff. I've been seeing more and more people. I don't know why, but you know, I've seen on, on like Twitter or whatever, but um, I've seen more people just say like program specificity, specificity is not important. Really? You know, yeah. I mean, you know and I, I mean, I, I know we all disagree with that. Um, you know, can we talk, Brandon, talk a little bit about like why you think with somebody would say, yeah, we can have everybody do the same shit. I, I just think that's the almost the lazy way out. I mean, honestly, I honestly, I think it was goes back to when we went to, I think it was Elite FTS uh, back in what, 2014, I yeah. think maybe. Yeah. And uh, Buddy Morris was there, and then there was a couple other really big strength coaches, and you know, I think it was Buddy Morris that even said it too, where he goes, you know, if you got a strength coach that basically just continues to say this is what I did when I trained, then you've got a really lazy strength coach or a guy that is probably kind of just stuck in his ways and isn't really open to even trying something new you know to an extent and yeah maybe that guy's gotten like you said some some results with some guys but yeah i guess if you if you've worked with a larger number of athletes then yeah you're gonna have a select small population that yeah that that maybe general program is probably gonna work for but then 
you're missing a lot of gains or results or benefits for the other 97% of the population that you train with because yeah, your general program didn't fit for that person. Yeah, you gotta look at the population you're working with, right? 100%. And the lowest hanging fruit of any program is a young adolescent kid that really hasn't hit puberty or just is getting into puberty, mm-hmm. right? Where their testosterone is starting to grow or, you know, you know, be prevalent in their body. And, you know, you could literally have them look at the weight at that age and they would get, get better, faster, stronger, just because their body literally walk to the dumbbell rack, stare at it for five minutes and go home. Right. You got stronger just because your body naturally is doing that, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you know, that's when you see like a lot of these people, you know, athletes, coaches, whatever post, you know, awards or progressions or whatever these kids have been doing is like you know what uh, how about the kids that you know are already trained you know what are we going to do to get them better kind of thing and that's where i think the real specific or you know the more advanced programming and then doing the assessments that's where that's where you take a guy that you know is maybe 94 96 on the mound to that 98 maybe because yeah you do need to get that real specific and you know real nitty-gritty with it versus like you said a kid that's you know never touched a weight in his life or stepped a foot in the weight room and then yeah he comes in yeah of course after a month of just doing any kind of physical activity he's gonna see some kind of gains 100 you, you, you would think and hope yeah i mean you know? we somebody responded to me on twitter is like you know dj respects your work but you're training eight-year-olds or some shit. i was like first of all you don't know what the fuck we do in here Right. If you want to, if you care, like come in and see what we're doing. Right. But the fact that you have no idea what we're doing with that eight year old or we're doing with the big leaguer or, you know, like everything's with this one size fits all shit because everybody's used to that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of the, the thing where we need to get away from as an industry is saying everybody can do the same thing. Like we're not, we're not, I mean, we're still squatting, we're still deadlifting, we're still hinging. Right. We're still jumping, we're still, we're still sprinting, we're still, still rowing, we're still pressing, right? But there's better variations for each guy, you know? And um, that's something that in the sport of baseball is super unique, right? Where we need a lot of certain certain patterns. We need to give guys a lot of certain patterns, you know? Like, in my opinion, I know a lot of other people, I, I posted this a while ago, it's like you need an alter, alternating reach in your program, Right. Um, I wrote it down. <laughs> um, you need um, a single leg pattern in, our, in your program. You know, because if you think about a single leg pattern, first and foremost, if you have one leg in deflection, by natural causes, the other leg is going to be in extension. So you're getting flexion and extension in the same same boat right there. Internal Not and external too. Internal mm-hmm. external, right? Right there. You one guy, one guy needs extension. All right, we'll get him on one leg. One guy needs flexion. All right, we'll get him on one leg. 95% of the time, you're standing on one leg in sport. You're playing on one leg in sport. You know, as far as the alternating reaches, going back to that, baseball's a rotary sport. Life's a rotary sport, right? You run, you run in rotation. You walk in rotation. You swing, in obviously, in rotation. You throw, obviously, in rotation. Everything you do is in rotation. Even, even sports you wouldn't think are rotary sports, it's a rotary sport. So... You need the most fluidity through that T-spine, through that hip, through your ankles, through your knees, all that kind of stuff to clear space to allow rotation, right? Um, let's see what else. Yeah, with that, so, and it's like with alternate reach and stuff like that, so many guys come in, and that's like where the variation comes in is every everybody's going to row 
I would say a, like a, a lot of people in our program do a cable row, just whether it's half kneeling, split stance, seated, a lot of people do a cable row. But for so many times it's, oh, this kid's doing a cable row too. It's like, yeah, but like, look at how he's doing it versus how you're doing it. You're seated with a foam ball in between your knees. You're half kneeling with a med ball between your heel and your knee. This guy's rotating with his. This guy needs a little bit more anti-rotation, so he's staying stable and just moving that scalp through there. So it's like you can – individualization doesn't mean, okay, this kid – it can, but it doesn't always mean, okay, this kid's doing this this cable row, but I'm going to be on a dumbbell row or I'm going to be on a landminer or something like that. It means how – like look at how people are doing their exercises. Not everyone's doing the exercise the same exact way. Um, there's everybody uses a different variation. A lot of guys use a different variation. Um, but that's a, like the fun thing too, is we have a lot of guys come in and, okay, this guy has a similar patterning and functions to this kid, but this is one little small thing that's different. And this could change the whole program. Um, and then going off too with guy with like having everybody do the same program is like the question I ask people that may put people like they have one program. And then as soon as the kid starts, he jumps in on that program. Like, what do you do if you have a 12 year old jump in on that program? And then you have a college guy coming on that same program. Are they going to do the same exact things? No, like they will, but they don't, they don't need those same exact things. Like a kid eight, 10 years old should probably not be getting underneath a barbell with bands on the side. And that college guy, he goes, he may, he may be past that set. Like he may need something farther, a higher adaptation that that's not going to give him. So in group settings, it's like, that's what the fun part too, about being in the private setting is we can, we have the chance to individualize. Now, if you're in college and you're, hands are tied a little bit more and you're in certain spaces and your hands tied a little bit more. That's one thing. However, I know college coaches that still have an individualization piece to their program. So it's literally just comes down to putting in the extra effort. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's in your program. At that, right there, at, yeah. that, at that point too, you're just assuming how the athlete moves. Yeah. Right. So you're assuming this is going to work. Yeah. Right. And truthfully, nobody knows the athlete better than they, they know their own body, mm-hmm. you know? And that's why, I mean, programming, I, I deal with it with some of my big league guys. They don't really give me a whole lot of feedback on their programs sometimes, right? They have families are busy. You know, Noah and I talked about how busy guys are last week, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to get a response from, from these guys. So, like, sometimes we do have to assume and go off of what we went off of, you know, three, four weeks ago. Right, but we also know the presentation of their body. We also are I can, can see them move on TV on the mount. Right, I was working with one of my guys when I was um, out of town last week. You know, I called him. Hey, dude, I saw something on the mound. You know, I can tell something's you know not right with you. He goes, Yeah, you're 100 percent right. Got on a phone call with him. And that was a way to bridge the gap there. You know, um, just see being able to access to see the guys move every single day is another addition to an assessment too. Right, so. Um, going off that, another couple checklist things. No, let's talk about this. Um, just keeping your st- your rib cage and your pelvis stacked, right? That's something we talk about all the time. Yeah. You know, and we're able to get guys into certain positions through the weight room to conquer that in the mound. Too many times we see guys who have that, that long, you know, that long extended posture, right? Their butt's getting pushed back and they're getting, you know, uh, compressed in, like anterior or posteriorly, either way, right? They're axial loaded their body. So they're taking a rib flare, they're increasing the rib flare, dumping their pelvis back, their pelvis and their thorax isn't really stacked at all. Um, so what's the importance on your end of you know, why we, we need to keep that thorax and pelvis stacked? Yeah, um, basically it all just comes down to efficient energy transfer. Um, 
when the thorax is stacked over the pelvis, that allows the pelvis to actually shoot energy that's produced from the ground up the chain into the torso, which then eventually goes into the arm of the ball. Um, if the thorax and pelvis aren't stacked, it's just going to be inefficient rotation um, and not as much energy transfer. Anything on that, Brent? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely think it's just all about, you know, putting yourself in a good position to move most optimal and efficiently down the mound, um, you know, so whether it comes from working it on in the weight room side and, you know, manipulating the environment to get the outcome that you want, or, you know, if they're really good on the weight room side and it comes down more of just them being more proprioceptive and knowing their body and then maybe putting them on the mound and doing maybe some med ball work there or, you know, using core velocity bell or something like that, that has some external um, constraints that, you know, basically can get the, the positions you're looking for and um, get the athlete to feel what they, they ultimately need to feel. Cause like you said, like you can tell them what they look like and what they're doing and how to do it. But until they feel it for themselves, you know, it's just a lot of times like Taylor just said earlier, just throwing a dart in the dark, you know, yeah. like you can sit there and say all the cues or all the stuff you want to and where they're at and, you know, space, but until they ultimately feel it, then, you know, it's kind of just a guessing game well, a lot of, for them. A lot of high school guys going off that think that all they need to do is get bigger, mm -hmm. right? And it's like literally walking into the gym, no, not really a whole lot of idea to a program besides the fact that they just printed it off of bodybuilding.com or some shit, right? Yeah. Who, I mean, who hasn't done that here? Let's be honest. Maybe besides Brandon. I've done that. That's just, I say that not because Brandon's skinny as fuck, but because I've been working with Brandon. For forever, so <laughs> right, <laughs> and you're also skinny, <laughs> but um, I've done that you know in, in high school or maybe even college, maybe I don't remember. You know, when, when I was my freshman year at Juco, like, yeah, we probably just did hit some machine work and all that kind of stuff. And you don't know, was you that. don't know any better, you don't know in any your better. mind, that's yeah. what like you got to do to get. Fit. But one excuse I've heard is some kids say is like, I can just go to the local gym and get bigger on my own. Like, what's our defense to that? Is that what you're trying to do? do like, do you want to be big or do you want to throw 90 or 95 or whatever? It's, it's it comes down to like what the athlete. Both. So they yeah, sign both. up for our throwing program only. Yeah. So <laughs> they do that and then they bodybuild and then Noah's life becomes really hard. I think too, from a couple events we've gone to just like the misinformation like i was like yeah i just do curls and squats and i work out and it's like mm. you know they just don't really realize sometimes and there is benefit know? to that let's totally. be honest but like right? not really with but the also a low-hanging fruit going back to that I, I have a kid picture in my head i'm obviously not going to blast them but like skinny kid going to the gym by himself doing bodybuilding lifts that's still going backward when he swings doesn't get any bigger you know, it's just like whatever you're doing is not transferring. Going back to that, you know, what? Hmm. <laughs> there you go. Who it is? <laughs> uh, well, off air, we'll tell you. But um, you know, it's just like there's so much more than just you know. First of all, bodybuilding and powerlifting are two different sports. That's the biggest thing, you know. And you have these guys that are doing some periodization concept or something along those lines where it's going to be all right well yeah you're getting them stronger in a frontal plane position only right while you're axial loading an already extended t-spine uh, there you have them go rotate a thousand times hitting or throwing right 
And then he also put a lot of energy into another sport while you're doing a 10 by five or whatever it may be, and, you know, drop sets, banded box squats, whatever, whatever it may be. You know, we got to think that weightlifting is another sport on top of itself, right? So I'm not saying we don't get after it in the weight room. I'm saying that there needs to be a better way to do it. And that's why we program the way we do with using, you know, the, the force velocity curve. That's to me, that makes the most sense, right? We're able to contract or contract connect with our hitting guys or throwing guys and consider workloads, right? So we're like, I think that was, might've been our first podcast. We talked about that, you know, pairing workload stuff with guys. And we can talk about Noah a little bit more, but let's go off of, Taylor, let's have you and Noah talk about this. A guy that's doing powerlifting or a uh, strength speed focus, right? An absolute strength and absolute speed focus or dynamic focus on two different days, doing upper body, lower body splits, right? Doing max effort and dynamic days. How are you going to get with Noah to balance that workload out? Is he lifting four days? Yeah, he's lifting. He's doing Monday lower max effort tuesday upper max effort wednesday who knows <laughs> who knows right thursday is going to be lower dynamic okay friday will be upper dynamic okay okay so now we're not taking any kind of now you're adding your bullpens at the beginning of the week your live at bats at the end of the week your long toss day or whatever you have in the middle of the week and there's no time for true recovery. Yeah, yeah I just think that that would, that would never happen in here, though. You know what I mean? Like, No, but that's something we've we seen. Would, this is a conversation would, we had. Yeah, we would definitely have to take away. It just all comes back to that lowest hanging fruit, where, like, yeah. if the lowest hanging fruit is absolute strength, then, you know, maybe we do take some workload away on the throwing side and really get after it in the weight room. But you can't, you can't be burning it on both ends. It's just going to lead to diminishing returns or injury. Yeah, especially like if you think of your CNS is like you only have so much available. So if you're going absolute, absolute, and then probably the most CNS taxing thing, you're going straight speed stuff at the end of the week. That kid's going to be taxed by the end of the week. You're doing the hard, you're doing yeah, exactly. probably the hardest thing he's going to do all week at the very end with his bullpen. With his bullpen. Or not his bullpen, but his live at. Yes. Live so like this Friday, we have lives. Yeah. So if we completely fucked all of our guys going into Friday, yeah. right? We have a. We're gonna see a lot more injuries, mm-hmm. and B. We'll see a decrease in performance. Yeah. Right. Probably both. <laughs> and both. You know, to be honest, and yeah. you know, it's so easy to monitor what we what we're doing for the guys, but that just takes communication. Going back to every single episode's communication, you know, and um, I just want to keep on hounding the point that you, you know. Long distance running with coaches have pitchers do. That's another sport. That's a that's a it's a long distance athlete, right? Not to mention different energy systems and blah blah blah. Everybody knows that. But you know, we're training these athletes, not us, but like as a as a whole, you know, industry, we're training these athletes in different sports to be better at their sport that has is probably the most skilled, unique sport of all. Maybe golf is right there too. Golf's hard. Golf is so hard, <laughs> but ball's not moving. Ball's, ball's not moving. Yeah, but same thing there, right? It's just like, <laughs> yeah, Bryson DeChambeau looks like he's huge, right? But that dude moves well, yeah, and he rotates well for a big 
wider, going back to that wider ISA guy, right? He rotates and he hits the shit out of the ball, right? And then he can chip, then he can putt, then he can do everything, right? Same thing on our end, you know, we're probably doing the most violent, unhealthy thing in all sports is throwing a baseball, right? And then the second most thing is probably swinging a bat, right? Okay. We're not getting hit by, you know, 50 dudes at one time on the football field, but, you know, there's more external or internal forces that we're producing in our, in our body that cause injury. Right? Our body's very not, small amount of time, very small, small, small amount of time, you know? So how a, are, how are we going to protect those guys? And it's probably not by doing, you know, undulation programming, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, we can definitely get into a little bit like we will, we'll stack it. We'll, we'll have our phase one guys in our strength phases or, whatever and they'll be doing five sets of five or you know then we'll go to a five by three or whatever just some strength work but it's what we do after that right it's how long we do it for you know and what's what's the end goal in mind you know and i think that focus focusing on two sports at once is too much for the athlete you know i'm not saying multi-sport athletes i'm saying pairing two different things right worth like two wrong things where it's going to be a power lifter and a baseball player right i mean what what are your thoughts on if a football player were to do a powerlifting program i don't i mean i think it, i don't think it would be as bad to be honest it depends on the sport it, or it depends on the position of the athlete like if the kid's a quarterback then i would train him probably more like would a baseball player but if this kid is a lineman defensive lineman, offensive lineman, and he's got to stay stationary and it's got to be an immovable object, then it would be, I'd be a little bit more inclined to kind of go that direction, chase absolute strength. Um, but at the same time, it's like, then you also got to look at, okay, this guy's also got to be able to get, be able to get down the field, be able to block downfield. He's got to be dynamic. He's got to be able to move. So you just got, you got to like, then it comes down, you got to watch the sport and watch the position of the athlete in order to know exactly how to program from a conditioning standpoint, from a speed standpoint, strength standpoint we're still talking about program customization here right yeah you have an offensive lineman who moves a foot right his job is just to stay there and not let anybody get past it for some of them and not even rotate like that guy if he rotates if the offensive lineman rotates you guys pass him you guys pass him yeah right you know what i mean yeah you guys shouldn't be there if he's rotating what so that guy shouldn't be standing on the line so we we can train that guy a lot more anti-rotational stuff. We can train that guy to be able to be cause, you know, allow him to brace better, right? Versus a, a specialist guy, like a receiver, running back, corner guy, right? Quarterback, where, all right, now you're going to rotate. You're going to change directions. You're going to plant. You got to have good shit angles. You got to get your thorax over your pelvis, right? For optimal, great, the light went out. Um, <laughs> optimal, optimal positioning, you know? So you can say that about any sport that you need to be, you know, specific in my opinion. Yeah. Don't, don't chase. Like when you're like thinking about working with athletes, don't so much chase sports specificity, chase position specificity. What are the demands of their position? It's because everybody looks at baseball players just like, Oh yeah. Baseball specific workouts. It's like, okay. Like kind of do different stuff. Some guys can't rotate this well or stuff like that. Same thing with football, like an offensive lineman should not probably change be trained the, the same speedways as a receivership. Like they're two totally different positions. So look at the position. It doesn't matter whether you're working with baseball, football, basketball, look at the positions, 
look at how that athlete needs to move and the demands within his position and then kind of program out that way. hundred percent. And going, going off, going off that is the guy, the guys need to learn how to control their body in space first and foremost. Right. It doesn't matter what, what sport you play. You need to self-organize your body. Right. And if we're not, if we're just loading up a bar and telling them to lift it off the ground or get it off their back or, you know, just throw the, the bar off their chest, you know, that's, you know, it's the, what guy that there's no, if you think about it, there's no rhyme or reason to their lips. There's, all right, I'm going to get this up as fast as I can. I'm going to take some smelly salts, crush some, crush some, uh, cocaine. <laughs> bang. <laughs> bang. Thank you. Probably, yeah. I, I couldn't, yeah. You know what I mean? Same thing, bang. But, but you know, like there's no, like there's no actual skill to what they're doing, but like prove to me that you can get that chair, that, that bar off your chest properly, mm-hmm. right? Prove to me that you can squat with with the load. Prove to me that you can deadlift properly. You know, getting away from like that hyperactive state of mind all the time too. Like we've taken, I was off air. We were just talking that we've taken some some caffeine away from a guy. We've taken uh, hard rock music away from a guy. Not letting him throw. You know, and then he's like, "This is the best I've ever felt." Like. Well, a, you're not throwing, so yeah, of course you feel great. But you know, well, he goes, but my sleep has been better, right? I've been, you know, I used to wake up every two hours. Now I'm sleeping through the night. I slept 14 hours straight the other day because I was so sleep sleep deprived, you know. And that's just what's that? Jealous. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, we took the caffeine away. Took some some external <laughs> some external stressors. I'm not saying caffeine is bad. Just 400 milligrams every day. <laughs> how, how much caffeine do you drink a day? Less than 300. That's a lot. <laughs> no, it's giving me a lot. Like, probably like 150. Between 150. You just cut it in half. So what is it? What is it? Depends on the drink. <laughs> How much is in that? I think 140. And that's all you have all day or no? There's 140 milligrams of caffeine in that. How much, is in, How much is in this that I have right now? Probably two, close to 200. Yeah, cold brew is a lot. Put her down, Brittany. But how many, how many cold brews do you have a day, Noah? One? Yeah. How many of those do you have a day? One. Plus another energy drink, right? And some coffee, probably. Yeah. 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 This is, this is yeah. my coffee. That is coffee. Sometimes I might have a, yeah. What the fuck? A rain bang or a Mountain Dew. <laughs> All right. Let's Let's see see what, what do we got? 270. And that's a that, lot. That's, that's a lot. lot. And I'm, the drink that two cups of coffee is too right now. I can't believe you guys are putting that in your body. <laughs> Dude, yeah. you got a soda Dude, in the fridge. It's organic. It's not a soda. It's not it's, mine. This is organic. Oh. Mr. Coca-Cola over here. Oh, Mr. Co- Mr.'s Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, Noah's in there, too. It's not just me. Ashley and I were looking at each other like, what the actual fuck? Like, is that number four? <laughs> this is organic. It's healthy. There's anyway. Partying, organic. partying in Utah and Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, off topic. <laughs> Um, what were we at? <laughs> um, you took away rock music. Oh yeah, I mean, this is all stuff like this is, this goes into programming, right? I mean, this, these kind of external factors and stressors go into go into programming, you know. And we sent a guy over to Noah to do some pitch a pitch design session, and he's chronically fatigued because of his habits in the weight room, his habits at home, right? What are we? What kind of what kind of results are we going to get, Noah? 
you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. Right? We're, you're going to land on the IL, more than likely. Yeah. You know, but the, the crappy thing is, like, we've had guys go on the IL this year that did absolutely everything right. You know, it just shows you the unique nature of the sport. You know, the, the unique demand of the sport. And that needs to be trained that way. And the biggest thing that I always tell these high school kids is, you know, if you want to just go get big, think about, like, a linebacker trying to throw a baseball 100 miles an hour. It's not going to happen because he didn't train for it, right? So you're, you're just going to go do what the linebacker is going to do in the weight room, but then try and add that external stressor throwing a baseball. You're going to just you're going to feel good for, what, maybe a month, if that. And then after that, it's going to be downhill fast, you know? Um, or even just try and tell some of those younger guys, too, like, do you want to be – great at lifting weights or do you want to be great at playing baseball both you know and i mean obviously yeah you want to be you want to be good in the weight room but it's like where you know like like you said you can train to get worse and you can train to get better so it's like the weight room should only complement what your end goal or task should really be you know it shouldn't be to hit the weight room for five hours and crush a bodybuilding lift and then go to a two-hour sports specific practice it should be you know, maybe hit an hour to maybe two hours of weight room stuff, work on the stuff that really needs to work, then go to that practice, do the work there that needs to work, and then go recover. Yeah, 100%. Don't forget about the guys who golf all the time, too. Yeah, so yeah, and then that's like they're well, more rotation. Well, and, like, and that yeah. goes to, like you said, is managing the workloads of the outside social life of the athlete as well. Because, you know, yeah, we had guys this summer that they came out here and um they come in every day they work out they throw they do all the work that they were supposed to be doing but then you know they leave and here in arizona it's not the the coolest place outside so they go out and they spend three four hours in the sun five hours in the sun every day playing golf and they come in the next day and kind of talk about how like fatigued they are how they're not recovering and it's just like well when when is your body getting the recovery you know you you worked out for three hours in the weight room you did an hour and a half of throwing and then you went and played golf for another five or six hours in 115 degree heat. So yeah, you, you tell us where your body's supposed to recover and feel good. So Especially then, in the days you throw a bullpen. And then and that goes to it too. And kind of, for two hours before you, you know, that kind of comes down bullpen. to you know educating the athlete because after we kind of found that out and talked to them, they kind of dialed back their outside activities a little bit and they started feeling better. And it was like you kind of just said with the other guy where you take a couple things away. And it kind of can go a long ways in the, the end game. Yeah, but you got to realize less is more, right? Mm -hmm. Like you talked about your CNS, Taylor. You know, less is less is definitely more. And it's not like I need to do more stuff every single day to get better. It's like no, you need to do less shit, right? Like the bull, cut the bullshit out. Like yeah, you can go play golf, but like let's do it on a different. Daily, or maybe go once a week. Or is it, yeah, you know, just you know, know know what you're really trying to train for and focus on. Not on the know? day of the bullpen, like yeah. you know, when you're already going max effort, you know, and um, like the chronological fatigue of guys that we see. I mean, granted, not us, but like in general, is pretty damn high. You know, guys, if you look at injury injury rates in baseball, it's like they're all early in the year because they're they go. So so they go zero to 60 real quick, right? Um, I think it's like the most, mainly the most are like April, May, and then practically zero in September are the injuries, you know? And um, that's just because they built that work capacity throughout the course of the year where guys early in the year are doing other things besides what they need to be doing to build that, build that capacity, with, which is the golf, which is 
you know, they see their families or whatever, which is fine. They need to do that. Right. But we need to put the, the, you know, the weight in the buckets where we can or the water in the buckets where we can to fill those buckets. And those buckets are to get you better at your sport, you know, put your, yeah, put your focus, like what, what, like depending on like, like all the outside activities, stuff like that, like put your focus where you want it. Like, what is your main goal? Why are you here? Put your focus on that. Like every time you touch a ball, every time you or go to like high intensity throwing, anything like that, every time you step in the weight room, you want to be as close to a hundred percent as you can. You just generally, if you're throwing a lot, you're probably never going to feel hundred percent, but you want to be as close to hundred percent as you can. Um, we never want to pick up a ball and feel like we're 60, 70%. Like, oh, I guess I'm, I'll just throw a bullpen today. We'll see what happens. And generally that's where guys get injured. So do whatever you need outside of the hours that you're at the gym to recover, eating, sleeping, drinking a lot of water, but do every time you step in the gym, you want to feel as close to hundred percent, 90, 100% as you can. And if you don't, that's where we have that com- conversation with the athletes. And that's when you see guys trying to hit those one rep maxes, mm-hmm. right? They go in there and like, all right, I, I, I built up my schedule out. We're going to have one rep max in four weeks from now. Like, what, I mean, come on. What are we, why are we putting a lot of energy in that one rep max when we hit threes or fives with proper movement, right? Or even sixes with proper movement patterns. Conserve way more energy and go hit your one rep max on the mount. You know yeah. what I mean? Now we're trying to add a one rep max, one, one rep max on the mound, one rep max on the weight room, right? But and why be slow through your deadlift just to hit a cool number or a bench or whatever? Like, what's the, what's the point of that as a baseball player? Do a cool for the video. Like, who gives a shit how much you deadlift or rear foot elevated split squat in one time badly? I mean, do bodybuilders do rear foot elevated split squats for sport? I'm a baseball player. Baseball players do. You know what I mean, though? Like, okay, like, so what? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enter this powerlifting competition, but I'm not gonna play baseball. Let's do it, right? Noah, Noah, and I talked about having a kid, or just cancel this kid, this kid's membership because he wanted to do a bodylifting, bodybuilding program, right? And throw. Like, no, we're not gonna let that happen. Like, I'll, I'll lose money rather than let you get hurt. You know, and. It's just, it's just edu- like you said, educating the guys. Yeah. You know, we need to make sure that the kids are educated in this manner for sure. Expanding on that too, just kind of being in the front and just hearing like summer is so busy for a lot of younger guys and hearing parents be like, oh, like I'm taking my son to football hell week and then baseball game in the morning and then training for baseball and then going on a vacation and like, it's just a lot on them. And I, I keep telling them, like, make sure you tell your strength coach, make sure you, so like they're aware of everything. Cause these kids are just doing the most and just coming back to that education too. Like, what's the main goal? Do you want to just have a fun summer? Do you want to be a football player? Do you want to be like, just figuring that out. It's tough though, as a kid to like hone in on that, but it's so important. Well, I, that, it also, know. I think it comes down to consistency in one thing. Yeah. Right. You can come in once a week for a month. You're not going to get shit out of it doesn't matter, right? It's consistency. You can come in three times one week, none, none the next week, one time the next week, and three times a week after that. That's still not consistency, right? So we need to find consistency within the program. Going back to the, bo- the bodybuilding or the, the powerlifting thing is how are you going to find consistency in – if you can't find consistency in one sport, how the hell are you going to find it in another? You know what I mean? There's no, there's no shot that you can do that, you know, and – you know, guys 
or he's like saying, I can't come in this season. All right, well, write down your 168 hours hours of the week, what you're going to do, lay it out for us, and tell me why you can't come in. And then they don't have an answer. There's always time in the day, literally. It doesn't matter if you get you go to school from 7 a.m. to, you know, you're done with baseball at 6 p.m., 6.37. We're, we're open until 9 o'clock. You can, get, you can still get in, you know. Our Colorado location is open at 5.45, 6, 6 a.m., you know, for guys to get in. And if you fit, you literally can't find time to get in the weight room or get with your hitting coach, your throwing coach, over a 12, 13, 14-hour span of their hours, then you just don't want it, you know, in my opinion. No, 100%. I, I agree. No, oh, yeah, it comes down to prior. It comes down to prioritizing. Yeah, like what your main goals are like the guys that were in here at like eight o'clock, seven o'clock during the season, or the guys that had generally had really really good seasons, or the guys that made the most progress during the season. It comes down to knowing, like knowing your schedule ahead of time, knowing what you're eating for that day, knowing okay, like Carson Herman, for example, texted me this morning, said, "Hey, do you mind if I do my lift today, my third lift today, because I'm traveling on." Thursday and Friday. Yeah, sure. Perfect. Great. Wait, he's lifting on vacation? He's lifting on vacation. There's a way. You can do it. I promise you. <laughs> promise you. But yeah, it's just knowing what you have ahead of time. So then it's like, oh, like I'm actually traveling today, tomorrow, so I can't. Like, okay, well, what did you when did you know that you're traveling? Uh last week? Okay, why didn't we just dial everything back or dial everything forward a couple of days? Just comes down to communication and knowing what your schedule is and prioritizing prioritizing what you want to do and where your focus is at. I think it's on priorities. Like you, you yeah. just said, is, is it a priority or is it not? Well, we see it here, right? It's the guys that made all state in both Colorado, Arizona, uh, Utah, um, Nevada, where I mean, guys from all over, right? California, those guys didn't stop training once, right? Take like Radic Burkholz, for example, who just won Gatorade player of the year in Colorado. That kid has never missed a training session, minus minus maybe two when he had to have uh, when he got hurt like a, like three years ago, from the seventh grade to now, and he you know he was never getting that love, right? He's undersized, blah blah blah. And now it's like holy shit, Radic throws ninety five, Radic throws ninety six, Radic hit nine home runs this year. Well, I mean, what's going on? Like, who is this? Like, well, the dude hasn't stopped. Like. You know, consistency is key, but he also wasn't doing power lifts. He also wasn't doing all this other this other stuff on top of it, right? It's just man, like he's. Pro I'm giving Radix so much credit right now. He's just, you know, <laughs> he deserves it. He deserves it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he managed his time. He communicated with all of our staff all the time. Like this is my schedule. This is what I need to do. Right. We see that here. You know, all of our guys that had successful years were regional players of the year, all state players. How many time? How many? Guys that made all state with that train with us quit. Zero. One, maybe. Right? Okay. <laughs> if we have one guy quit, you know, but he's hopefully doing something else too. You know? I'm not saying our way is the only way to do things, but just consistency in something. Find consistency in something is, is the biggest thing. No, what do you got on that, no? Yeah, I'm all in on that. Consistency is key. Yeah. That's what I said yesterday. That's good. Even if like people are traveling, like we have like the movement days that have to take place that involve no weight that you can even do. Like instead of taking four days off and doing everything. Yeah, I mean I, I feel like all of our guys are pretty good about that. Like, hey, what can I do in the weight room at the hotel? 
or what can I? I have up, dumbbells up to fifty pounds. I have a cable machine. That's it. What can I do? You know. And like the last month, how many kids have been traveling for to Omaha or wherever they've been going to play baseball? Yeah. You know, and as a as a coach, that kind of fires you up too. Oh, yeah. Where where a kid will come to you and be like, "Hey, I'm going to be gone for, you know, maybe this week." But what can we do while I'm gone to still get my work in? You know, because then that right there as a coach shows you that like this kid is locked in. Oh, yeah. Like he's, you know, he's wanting to get better. He's, you know, he's going to be kind of pissed off if he doesn't get his workouts. And so like that right there as a coach kind of motivates you to kind of put that better program out there and kind of like, you know, make sure you're giving that kid everything he needs versus like, you know, you get the kids that sometimes, like you said earlier, they come in maybe once a week. And you don't see them for two weeks, then they come More in for pain in the ass for us. Yeah, and that's what I was just gonna say. And you know, sometimes as a coach, that kind of like really frustrates you and kind of almost goes, more than they do. goes the other way around. Because yeah, it's like all right, I'm putting in more work than the athlete. Yeah, and it's gonna you help know. your program too because then you'll be like, okay, I know this kid wants to eat, and then you have some kids that be like, right, I gotta like go a little. Or we go home, then. we program for an hour for this kid and have all these different plans for them, and they don't come in. It's just like, what the fuck? And that's, and that's yeah, what I was just getting to with the fact that it's like you have you have the one athlete that, like, they're going to be leaving, and they're wanting more, so that way they're not missing anything. And then you have the other athlete that's in-house, and you're writing a really good workout for them. Or, you know, like you just said, you go home, you spend an hour the night before putting the program together for them, and then they don't even come in the next day, you know. Or, you know, they come in, they do one workout, two workouts, and you don't see them for two, three weeks. And then they come in and they're the first athlete also like, hey, when do I get a new program? And it's like, well, you haven't even, you haven't even finished the first program we were on. And it's like, well, I haven't seen any results. Well, it's like, yeah, you've only done two workouts out of what was supposed to be probably eight to 12. Just because it's in your, in your program doesn't mean you're going to get better. You know, and so, yeah, it's just like, just because you went over a course of four weeks and did three workouts doesn't mean you completed the program. You know, or completed whatever we That's were why I'm not big. trying to work on, you know, so it's... <laughs> You know, that's where, like, yeah, like, yeah, the kid is showing that they want it and they want to do that. And, yeah, that only motivates you more as a coach. And, you know, just that communication thing is just huge. And, you know, you're, you'll get more out of your coach probably if you're showing them that you want it. And then, yeah. I don't care how good you are. If you don't show up, I don't want to work with you. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> just, I can care less who you are, you know. And, like, going off everything is communication. Like, it's so important. Like guys need to ask questions, right? I, I always ask guys, how you're feeling? Do you have any questions? And it's like, good, no. Well, well that does a lot for me. <laughs> yeah, I feel good. All right, what does that mean? Right? And I have no questions. Like, how the hell do you have no questions? Like, you you know why I programmed every single exercise for you? You know, like what's the what's the yielding result of gonna be for every exercise? Or what's your what was your deficiency or what was your strength of why that exercise was programmed? You know, like, I think we do a good job explaining that to them already, but there's always more questions that guys can ask. And um, the big thing, too, is, you know, when you go to showcases, you don't ask questions. How's the coach going to remember you? Right. Not many kids ask questions, you know, and if a kid asks me a question, I'm going to remember his name. I remember who he was. I remember what the question was versus somebody that didn't speak up. Right. That's a good way to stand out. Like, you know, at a showcase. And. Same thing in the weight room. Like, all right, this kid wants it. I'm going to put more energy into this kid than little Johnny who's not going to show up, you know? And Little Johnny. Little Johnny. Classic. <laughs> classic. Ever heard of her? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, has anybody got anything else on that? Uh, I think it all kind of circles back to, like, just the, the, the phrase exercise prescription. 
more than customization. Let me stand up. <laughs> more than like just extra exercise customization. It's a prescription. Like if you're a doctor and a 40 year old man has back pain, you're not going to treat all 40 year old men with back pain the same. You know, you're, you could just hand them Advil or they might have a herniated disc and you actually have to do something about it. Like you can't just treat, treat, or treat all high school pitchers the same way just because they're a baseball player and sports specific. Like, you know, it's a prescription. And oh, everybody, have to everybody it. here, it down to. you just see in the weight room, everybody moves different. Just the way it is. Right, two right-handed pitchers move different. Yeah. Right. Two left-handed pitchers move different. Right. It's just the way the way they are. Their body needs different things. One can't stop rotating. One can stop rotating. Or one has zero hip extension. One has a lot of hip extension. You know. So like. How are we gonna how are we gonna address those deficiencies? A and lifting like a bodybuilder, B not doing an assessment, C not diving deep and asking questions with the athlete. You know, and I mean as as a coach, I want somebody that says, I, I feel this because of this when I do this while I do this, right? It's no like you you do a good job asking questions to your pitchers, like, hey, had that feel and you, they say good and you dive into more, right? There's more questions after that. Yeah, I'm I'm big on proprioception, so you got to be able to feel what I'm trying to get you to feel. You know yeah. what I mean? We're trying to get you in the best positions possible. We want to feel what those positions are to be able to consistently get it to stick. 100%. And you should be able to feel those repetitively. Yeah. You know, and yep. how are we going to do that? You know, that's by asking, having the athlete talk communication, to us. Communication. Yeah. You know? All right. I think that's good. Anything else? Oh, sorry.